0: This is the Thorn Podcast, the show that navigates the complex world of wellness and explores the latest science behind diet, supplements, and lifestyle approaches to good health. I'm Dr. Robert Roundtree, Chief Medical Advisor at Thorne and Functional Medicine Doctor. And I'm Dr. Frank Lipman,
1: New York Times bestseller and Functional Medicine Doctor. As a reminder, The recommendations made in this podcast are the recommendations of the individuals who express them, and not the recommendations of THORN. Statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration.
0: Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi everybody, welcome back to the THORN podcast. Frank, it's great to talk to you, as always. I wonder how your week has been. Uh, my week is, um, it's
1: been busy. You know, everything is overlaid with what's going on in this country. So it's quite stressful.
0: Yeah, the only constant seems to be changed these days. Yeah, right. Uh, and and we'll, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But we're definitely in the churn. We're in the churn right now. So, uh, so I hear you, man. Why don't we go ahead and dive into the main topic for this episode? We're going to discuss cognition, which is actually a, a, a big concern for a lot of my patients. Um, I, I know the, the biggest concern that I hear is a person who's getting older, often people in their 60s or maybe in their, even in their late 50s who complain of being forgetful and they're worried that they've got the early signs of alzheimer's disease and you know are wondering what should they do about it do they need to be tested etc i'm sure you see people like that as well who say they're not on their game anymore um, and they're, they're worried that something is wrong is that something you see in your practice all the time and and not only my
1: practice you know we at the age where friends and everyone is asking the same thing because everyone's experienced some decrease in their cognition or their memory, which obviously some of it is normal, but, you know, how much is normal? What I personally have found is a lot of these lifestyle factors we talk about for health in general, stress, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, uh, poor diet, loneliness, you know isolation all these factors affect cognition and the beauty of it is change your lifestyle and and very often that cognition improves i know for myself when i get too you know i go through these periods when i'm meditating every morning religiously or exercising a lot when i'm doing the things that i should be doing i'm so on my game uh, a little bit of coffee in the morning you know I do intermittent fasting and i have my coffee in the morning and I'm like, so on my game. Um, is it the coffee? Is it the meditation? Is it the, all the above? But I do feel, um, you know, and it's actually been something I've been wanting to speak to you about, it, you know, what you think. But I, I, I really feel that the cognition is just, once again, a symptom to some imbalance in the system, which can be, you know, improved. You may not get back to the cognition you have maybe when you were 30 or 40. Um, but you can get you you can improve your your mental your cognition. To me, meditation is like physical exercise for the body. Meditation is like becoming a mental athlete, uh, and I've found it incredibly helpful. Um, meditation and my cognition, or other ways of dealing with my stress. I say I think stress and lack of sleep are two of the probably biggest factors with uh, with cognition. What do you say? Yes,
0: I I, I've mentioned Dr. Matthew Walker before, and he's actually done a lot of research. He's a neuroscientist, I think was trained at Cambridge and is now at Berkeley, UC Berkeley. Uh, He wrote a book called Why We Sleep. And he's done a lot of research on how uh, lack of sleep is a predisposing factor for Alzheimer's disease. Um, And why would that be? It's because we, we, we used to not know what sleep did. You know, it was a mystery. It's something we did for a third of our lives, and yet it was thought to just be an off cycle that didn't really accomplish anything. Dr. Walker asserts that sleep is a time where the brain consolidates memories. Uh, it assists in learning, uh, putting new information together. And at the same time, sleep is when the brain cleanses itself. So during the course of a day, our body generates all kinds of garbage, mostly made from proteins that are just junk. Uh, these proteins accumulate in our cells. And when we sleep, this wave of fluid washes through our brains and gets rid of that those proteins. If they don't, they accumulate into something called beta amyloid. And I think that's the problem with some of these drug studies where they've Given drugs to try to get rid of beta amyloid for Alzheimer's, they haven't worked. And the reason they don't work is because they're not dealing with what's happening on the front end. You know, this stuff is accumulating every day. So yeah, number one, you've got to sleep soundly and you don't want to short yourself on the hours that you allot for sleep. The other thing that I, I tell most of my older patients that they need to realize is that the brain slows down with aging. There's really no way around it. That doesn't mean that we're going to be more forgetful or that we're bound to get dementia. It just takes longer to process information, so the memories are still there. I often joke with my older patients that uh, that when when a younger person forgets the keys, then they think, oh, I had too much to drink last night, or... uh, I, uh, I was distracted, you know, they're not, they're not so worried about it. When an older person forgets the keys, they wonder if this is the beginning of the sign of Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. And so yeah. I asked that person a lot of questions about whether they have trouble functioning cognitively in other areas of their life. Is this just a forgetfulness issue or do they get lost in a familiar neighborhood Um, Do they get confused when they're trying to boil soup in their home? You know, they get mixed up on instructions. Are they watching a TV show and they can't suddenly can't follow what should be a simple plot? If there's other signs that the person tells me or their spouse tells me that indicate something else is wrong with their brain, then that's a different story. But the people who just say, well, I'm not on my game, I'm not as sharp as I used to be. I forget people's names. I block on names or I block on words in a conversation. Chances are that's just a result of a slowing of the microprocessor. Processor. And what I tell people is just wait, right? If you can't think of a name or you can't think of a word, don't put the pressure on to say, oh my God, uh, I uh, something is terribly wrong and I, because I can't, remember the name of this person that lives down the street or a friend that I haven't seen in a year. I just say, let it come. Allow, you've got to allow it to come. So part of it's an attitude that we have to have towards memory. We have to accept that the the card catalog, remember card catalogs in the library, that the, the card catalog and the hippocampus in the brain, it it just needs oiling when we're older. It's harder to search for things and that's partly because the RAM, the random access memory in our brain, is gets so filled up by so many things that we're tracking that it's it's just harder to keep up with everything that's going on. So where you put the keys or or that old friend's name, it, it's really for it to get easy for it to get lost in the noise.
1: Something that I have seen, I see it all the time, and probably daily, a couple of people a day especially in younger people who come in with brain fog and mm-hmm. they just, they, they can't think clearly there's this connection with the gut, you know, whether it's the yeast, whatever it is, there's some type of dysbiosis, these bacteria, these yeast, whatever they are, are obviously releasing some types of metabolites and there's a direct connection to the brain because once you clear up the dysbiosis, their cognition improves so significantly. I mean, I've had patients come in who, you know, had SIBO or yeast or some type of dysbiosis. I mean, they're all variations of the same thing. And we give them antimicrobials and they come back within a week or two. I mean, they are significantly better. I mean, one of the first things they tell me, yes, their bloating's gone down, but they're their brain fog has disappeared. They feel so much sharper and clearer. So there's obviously a connection with um, the gut. No, no question, especially, and these are younger people that I'm seeing. Obviously it happens with older people too, a slightly different problem. And then there's a hormonal connection because, you know, we see, I see so many perimenopausal women and whether their progesterone is low or uh, they you know, subclinically hypothyroid and you give them a little bit of thyroid hormone or progesterone and it also significant significantly improves their cognition so there's this hormonal component and this gut component that play a huge part especially in younger people you know i think once you you know what you were talking about is about like old farts like us as we get older um and maybe who don't have a gut problem, <laughs> but there's obviously a major hormonal component and gut problem to cognition because I see these significant improvements and fairly quickly.
0: I I, I totally agree with you. You know i uh, my understanding is that in the bloodstream at any particular time, there's at least a thousand different chemicals, a thousand different metabolites in circulation, and. I, I don't know if you can actually put an exact number on it, but a huge high percentage of these are produced by gut bacteria. So our gut bacteria are constantly making these chemicals, many of which look like neurotransmitters or interact with neurotransmitters. So whenever a person complains of brain fog, I immediately think about dysbiosis. I, and I think in the past you know that might have seemed more like alternative medicine or a um, you know wishful thinking now we can actually measure these metabolites there and there are companies that are doing it and there's studies that have been published that have shown that disordered metabolites in the blood can contribute to this forgetfulness you know cognitive issues brain fog etc uh and so my favorite intervention for people like this is to have them do a medical food, you know, have them do Mediclear, one of the rice pea proteins or something like that for three days, just to rest the gut and clean everything out. And uh, a lot of times people will feel dramatically better by the third day. And I want to point that out because, you know, when you're going through something like that, the first day the person says they're hungry, the second day they often feel like crap. They, you know, have headaches and... Uh, don't want to get out of bed. And then the third day is when they start feeling really clean and, and cleansed out. Um, now I know you can do that. There's all kinds of programs. You can do green drink programs, etc. I just like the ones that have the proteins at the core, the protein powders. So what do you think about exercise as a way to help cognition, which, you know, some people might question that because they say, well, that's, you know, the brain and and the body, those are two separate things. Obviously, that's not true. But what's been your impression of whether exercise helps? And if so, what's the best kind of exercise?
1: Right. So exercise definitely helps because people always, always, almost always will tell you how much clearer and better they feel after the exercise. I Not that I do that much um, strength training, although I need to start. I know when I go after a long uh, bike ride, it uh, definitely clears my mind. So, you know, I, I'm not sure which exercise is best, but there's no question exercise helps with cognition. I mean, m- most people actually experience that. So, I'm going to throw one back at you. Where does brain-derived neurotrophic factor (BDNF) come in here? Because you know, to me, you know, for for those in the audience, BDNF or brain-derived neurotrophic factor is is sort of is a protein that is sort of like fertilizer for brain cells, and you know, once again, it's these lifestyle changes that increase BDNF, sleep, exercise, stress reduction, but there are also some nutrients that, and, and things in the diet. Um, I have no experience with coffee fruit extract, but that seems to come up all the time. Um, but polyphenols, What what other nutrients increase BDNF? And do you think BDNF is, is maybe one of the mechanisms of, cogn- you know, improving cognition and, and neuroplasticity.
0: Okay. Well, that, so the let me answer your latter question first. I do think BDNF is, is very helpful. It's a growth factor for neurons. And I think it's part of the overall hormetic response in the body. We, I think we talked about hormesis uh, a couple of podcasts ago, which is the notion that Stress, a little bit of stress is actually a good thing. And how can you stress the body? You can stress the body with vigorous exercise, with cold exposure, with fasting, especially intermittent fasting. Um, So all of those things turn on the hormetic pathways. And one of the consequences of that is you produce more BDNF. So one of my, my favorite nutrients for the activating the hormetic pathway is sulforaphane, huh. which is, uh, you know, also called sulforaphane SGS. Uh, Crucera is a brand name for that. It's made from broccoli seeds. It's a broccoli seed extract. You know, it beats having to eat a pound and a half of broccoli, of raw broccoli every day. That's
1: interesting. Sulfur. I've never thought of sulforaphane for that. But what I will say, and now, now I'm definitely going to start taking it myself. Is you know I've been doing the three x four genetic testing, the Yael that you know yeah, her company, mm-hmm. and I find it I find it quite fascinating actually, and in, and sometimes incredibly helpful, and oftentimes for all of the the you know they pick up weak weaknesses. Sulfurphen comes up as one of the supplements recommended. So for it's obviously a multi-purpose working on many mechanisms nutrients, So Thank you for for sharing this because this is I'm adding safurofane to my <laughs> supplement protocol now.
0: Yes, well, I mean there's definitely research on on using it for supporting brain function. Yeah, I'm looking at a um, I just pulled up a paper so epigenetically enhances neuronal BDNF. Interesting. So, so there are actually studies on showing that. I really wish there was a Commercial tests for BDnF, I think a lot of people would would be going for that right uh, but otherwise i don 't know how to get it outside of a brain biopsy or a or a spinal tap which i don't i 'm not volunteering for anytime soon right,
1: but for for all you folks out there, the way you increase it is these lifestyle changes we 're talking about sleep hygiene, dealing with the stress, intermittent fasting, decreasing sugar. Um, exercising. These are all ways of of um, of increasing it. And coffee fruit. Ex- Do you know anything about coffee fruit extract? Because that seems to come up a lot.
0: Well, I've read the papers on it. I I can't say that that I've had any experience with it. You know, I've just I've seen the research and I've I've read the sales pitches, etc. I. I just, frankly, I just haven't found a product that I'm completely comfortable with, but uh, you know, I think it's worth looking into. I've been pretty happy with the stuff that I use like uh, I use the sulforaphane, the crucera, and I use mariva, which is curcumin phytosome. I like phosphatidylserine, serine, so all of those things are are helpful, I think.
1: What about uh, nicotinamide riboside? What about the niacin?
0: Yeah, I absolutely think that that's helpful. Um, I always use nicotinamide riboside in combination with resveratrol because I think it's the, the two of them that are working together that are going to be more effective at upregulating all the enzymes that you want for longevity, uh, better metabolism, et cetera. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some more about cognition, or specifically, we're going to answer some of your questions.
1: Now more than ever, it's important to have an optimally functioning immune system. Be ready for whatever life throws your way with Thorne's suite of immune support products. From immune supportive vitamins to time tested botanicals, Thorne has formulas that support immune function from every angle. Not sure what your body might be missing? Visit thorn.com to take an immune quiz and receive a recommended immune solution that's right for you. Learn more at thorn.com. That's T H O R N E.com.
0: And we're back. So now it's time to answer a question or two from the community out there. Um, our first question comes from a listener who asked, what are the cognitive risks for athletes and how can they mitigate them? That's a, that's a great question. I assume that the number one issue people are concerned about is head injuries. Yep. Frank, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I've seen a number of ice hockey players in particular who've come in with recurrent head injuries and has had long-term consequences, two in particular young guys who had started to affect them. And I think, you know, obviously as these, you know, we see it a lot, these professional athletes who get their heads knocked a lot, um, obviously affects, I mean, we can assume they're getting some micro-trauma to the brain, Um, and so yeah, I think these head injuries in, in contact sports are a problem. You know, the the supplements I tend to use are obviously things like Mariva, you know, strong curcumin and fish oil. Those are the big things, um, you know, because there's obviously an anti-inflammatory effect there. But, you know, I don't have that much experience with this.
0: And you? Well, uh, the first thing I would say is that if somebody's going to do contact sports on a regular basis, especially professional, then I recommend they get genetic testing for the aPOE gene because we know that people who have two copies of the aPOE4 gene variant are very uh, very susceptible to developing Alzheimer's disease right and that's there's a lot of overlap between chronic traumatic encephalopathy CTE and Alzheimer's they you know the brains of people with CTE and Alzheimer's look really similar um, so CTE may just be an accelerated form of that there are studies showing that when people have two copies of APOE 4.4 four, then they're more prone to getting dementia from head injury so I think for anybody who is having that experience like you said hockey players uh, rugby players Uh, contact football players. I think they should get the genetic test. Then they've got to make the decision do they want to continue professionally or not. If they do, then I do recommend fish oil uh, because there is some research showing that the high doses can be very helpful. Now, what kind of doses are we talking about? We're talking about four or five grams of EPA and DHA a day. So this is not your typical two caps of fish oil a day kind of thing. This is a much higher dose than that. You know, so they, they really need to crank it up. I also agree that Mariva is helpful for its anti-inflammatory effects. Um, and then this is another case where I would use the resveratrol, which is nicotinamide riboside plus resveratrol. Um, we know that raising NAD levels, uh, which is what you get from NR, nicotinamide riboside, that that's very neuroprotective. So I, I would certainly encourage... Uh, anyone in that situation who wants to protect their brain, uh, you know, to use that combination formula. So that segues into the next question, which is: Should I let my kid play contact sports, and and if so, what supplements should I give them to keep their brain healthy? That, so that's a sticky wicket, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think this is where maybe you you mentioned it, getting the EPO E four gene, but just doing genetic testing can. I think uh, is a good, uh, you know, I never thought about that, that, but I think that's a good idea and I'll give Yael's company another plug because EpoE is one of the, I mean, one of the hundreds of genes that they check. They, they check a couple of other genes that affect um, the brain. So I think that's a great idea to get genetic testing um, and see if you have these genetic weaknesses to start with and, and, and take it from there.
0: Okay. That's a, that's a great recommendation. So get genetic testing. And if your kid uh, is positive for APOE 4.4, I would discourage contact sports, you know. But I know there's a big debate going on right now in high schools and junior high schools about whether you should let kids that age bang their heads against each other. Um, certainly wearing a helmet doesn't really mitigate that risk. And so I yeah. I can tell you if I had a kid that age, I would not be encouraging a a head banging sport. Uh, I don't know why you can't have a lot of fun with a with a group sport without doing that. So probably a lot of people are going to kill me for saying that. But I I do think you have to wonder about what's going to happen to your kid when he or she is older.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: We have another question that we could end with, which is, what are your top nootropics? Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For people that tolerate coffee, I I do think it's it's. Got pretty good data on it for enhancing alertness. I mean, yeah, coffee is a drug, but um, it's pretty good. For people that get really anxious on it, I recommend matcha. Right. Matcha, which is a powdered green tea instead of tea that you steep.
1: Right. And you mentioned why it's not as stimulant because of the L-theanine.
0: Yes. Um, I like bacopa. I don't know if you use bacopa.
1: Well, very, very occasionally. I haven't really found anything that helpful except for coffee.
0: Um, well, I've, I've had a, a fair amount of experience Copa, with Bacopa. I've even given it to younger people. And, uh, you know, in India, they give it to kids just to help them get through school. Um, so it's, it's, kind of, it's very commonly used. Uh, it's very safe. You know, not much of a downside. Um, I sometimes use Hooperzine A and people whose forgetfulness really uh, is disturbing to them. I like phosphatidylserine. Right. I, I know a lot of people have used phosphatidylcholine, but in my experience, you get more bang for your buck with phosphatidylserine. You can use lower doses and get similar effects. And then there's always fish oil, which I, I just mentioned. Uh, people don't think fish oil is a nootropic, but uh, it does improve brain function and uh, just makes for a healthier brain. Good point. And the, the opposite of, of that is I have seen... So many people
1: who've been on benzodiazepines uh, for a while, who actually have had a negative effect um, on their cognition from the drugs. So, you know, so many people just get put on a sleeping pill and stay on a sleeping pill or a benzodiazepine, whether it's Xanax or or Clonopin or or one of those type of drugs. And over time, they, they so often seen negative effects on cognition. So just look at the drugs. And I'm sure there are many other drugs that have these side effects too that, that can affect your cognition. So always look at what medications you're taking and could they be a factor in in, in your decreasing cognition.
0: So watch out for anti neurotropics Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's about all we have time for today. Yeah. Thank, thank you,
1: Bob. Always great chatting to you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Till we meet again. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice.
0: If you've got a health or wellness question you'd like answered, simply follow our Instagram and shoot a message to at Thorn Research. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 daily blog. Once again, thanks for tuning in,
1: and don't forget to join us next time for another episode of the Thorn Podcast.